When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics podcast in association with 23. This is the show that combines our love of football and very average Sunday league playing experiences with our knowledge of football statistics and data analytics. This is episode 32 and it's been something of a busy week for football. My name is Ryan Bailey and joining me is my good friend Mark Carey. Mark, how are you doing? Very well, thank you mate. Uh, always good to record a new podcast with you. We've got an exciting one lined up and as you said at the start, it... <laughs> It's been a busy one these uh, these past well, few days. It might be something of an understatement <laughs> to call it a busy one. Um, I, I think we should start off by saying that if anyone doesn't know what's happened in the last five days in the football world, then, uh, well, everyone does. I don't even know why I'm trying to caveat that. But I think we should. it's important to say that we're going to stay in our ballpark here, aren't we? And we're not going to have a full-on discussion about the massive elephant in the room, which is the European Super League. Um, but we, we've got to slightly comment on about how ridiculous this week has been, haven't we, I guess? Yeah, it's it's been very odd. I mean, from my perspective, obviously, as a data analyst, I talk about football all the time. And it's funny that because European Super League has dominated the footballing world over the past few days, my role has become not redundant, but has become a lot quieter because you can't have a data analytics perspective on the European Super League, hence why we're not going to spend the rest of this episode talking about it. Yeah, so exactly. uh, it's just funny that I've been managing to sort of crack on with other stuff and maybe get ahead in other domains because I can pass no comment from a data perspective on no. this. But uh, it's been very odd, yeah. And I think with, with this, again, my opinion is the same as everyone else's, uh, I'm sure. And what's already been said I, I totally agree with from from the fans perspective pundits and footballers perspective so there's no point in in me saying anything else because it's nothing new um but it's just it's just a bit manic isn't it it's a hard cold fact which is something we like to deal in that yeah. it was an absolute shambles <laughs> yeah. from start to finish i think uh, so basically it was tuesday evening and there'd been two days of furore and I remember I, I took an hour and a half away from my phone around <laughs> nine o'clock, I think, on Tuesday evening during the Chelsea game. And I came back to the absolute collapse. I came back on social media. And prior to that, there'd been whisperings that Chelsea were dropping out. And my favourite thing was that it was like a domino, wasn't it? It was like Absolutely. an absolute domino. And all of a sudden, statement after statement were flying, um, sheepish looking 
rich owner after sheepish looking rich owner were coming out with crap statements but apologizing at the same yeah. time um it, oh, I, i've never experienced anything like it i don't think and i think that's something i'll take away from it is the mem- i think this is going to be a long memory isn't it i think this will be a big deal for a long time and it's going to take a an awful lot for the backlash of this to sort of calm down and it'll be a kind of do you remember 30 years ago when they proposed the European Super League and the world went mad. And yeah, I think we were, at least we were there, Mark, to experience yeah. it, I guess, is the only take-home I've got from it. True. And I, I almost don't want it to, to die down now just because there's been a defeat and they've all sheepishly gone away, as you say. It's not, they've, they've quietened down, but they've not gone away. And I still think that they have this agenda to, to you know, monopolise football almost. So mm. just because we've, you know, we as, you know, the fans have one in the short term it's almost like we've won this fight but they still there's a war still raging in the long term yeah. so i still think everyone does need to kind of double down and make sure that the, the these billionaires don't just get their way eventually but um yeah i just think this is a funny one because we were and it's fine to share with the listeners that we were going to record on monday and we were speaking over the weekend and obviously on sunday saying yes yeah, still okay for tomorrow maybe it'd be good to pass comment on the european super league that was just emerging and trying to yeah, pass some yeah. comment and i'm so grateful that we didn't record on the monday because we would have been about 10 percent of the way through the story of what was going on so we would have missed out on Mourinho we would have missed out on Ed Woodward we would have missed out on John Henry we would have missed out on <laughs> the whole collapse we've missed out on absolutely everything we would just been like what do you think of this thing Mark so yeah I um I, I mean look but we're recording this on Wednesday evening this is probably going to come out on Friday and who knows what could happen in the next 24 oh, yeah. hours so oh, apologies already everyone if we sound outdated I think that's a, it's sort of important to say but there's no way of keeping up with it, is there? No, um, I mean... We haven't even spoken about Mourinho. I, I haven't spoken to anyone about Mourinho being sacked, which, you know, three weeks ago, that, that would have been absolutely all we'd have been talking about. Um, the backlog of my reading on football from this week, I still haven't read a thing about it. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll look forward to doing that at some point. Um, but yeah, it's all... Oh, it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, I haven't told you this, but my I don't know whether this lands. And for those who have watched Game of Thrones, they will understand this. For those who haven't, apologies. So maybe stop, just pause it for now, or maybe skip a minute. But my <laughs> my analogy that I was thinking of the other day was how you know when I think Jamie Carragher almost said like this is bigger than all of us. No matter what yeah. your allegiance, we need to just sort of come together, call a truce. And it's almost like on Game of Thrones where all of the the houses are just like, right, obviously the, the yeah. White Walkers are coming. The let's White Walkers just, are coming. Let's just work together. So it's almost like, and I don't know whether this analogy has already been made, but it's just very quite salient in my head that it's almost like the billionaire owners are the White Walkers. and Survive the long night. Yeah, and we, as football fans of our respective clubs, are all the uh, the different houses and we must all put our allegiances aside and work towards the common goal of defeating these white walkers, these billionaires. So people can start listening again if you hadn't watched Game <laughs> of Thrones. We're back to it. But that was my analogy at least. Don't Absolutely agree, fantastic. Just a bit of fun. Absolutely fantastic. And I think we've done our bit there by not sort of uh, I mean there's no point it's churning it all up again. So I think <laughs> what no we point. should do is move on to something we do know about and that is football analytics let's do it (laughs) okay mark so enough with the topical chat what we're going to do we're going to go back to what you might call the original analytics format and we've got a analytical concept here which i don't know anything about you know 
stuff about <laughs> and I'm going to ask you to try and explain it. We're going to work through it. We're going to ask questions and hopefully we bring out something that's quite interesting that some of our listeners may not have heard of before. And if you have heard stuff about it before, maybe you can use this as a good resource to sort of explain to other people. So Mark, without further ado, can you please explain to me what are we talking about today on the Fanalytics podcast? Very well introduced. It's like a drum Thank roll. You. I, re- I didn't rehearse that at all. That was very good. Well, I guess off the back of last week, we we're obviously talking about possession. It kind of got me thinking that so obviously there's more than one way to obviously play the game and to to look to win the game. Um, and we spoke about it in simple terms. Obviously, possession is the, the very essence of the game. But obviously, to to sort of use possession, to think about possession, you have to have the ball. And it got me thinking more broadly about, you know, how the team dynamic works with the ball and without the ball. Uh, And it made me think about uh, an an advanced analytics term called pitch control. Now, it is sort of far more advanced than than possession, where we spoke about it in very simple terms. And what I thought, again, want to caveat myself in saying that it's almost like we're not going to fully explain pitch control because it's quite a nuanced, advanced analytics term. And there's some really Mm -hmm. good resources out there. Um, that we can link uh, in the bio, but we're just going to introduce it for this uh, for this episode, where people can just you know have a flavour of it, and then kind of go and do a bit more further reading, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah, the the term that we're going to speak about today is called pitch control. Excellent. I mean, disclaimer: I genuinely at the moment have no idea what pitch control is. I it's not one I've heard before. You know, I'm sort of been introduced to analytics terms all the time. Um, this isn't one I've come across very much, to be honest with you. So, yeah, this is a complete complete blank canvas here to explain so uh, i'm looking forward to it okay well let's see how we get on and see whether if yeah if you can if you can't understand it or i'm not being clear then just stop me as you go and we'll work through I'll it i'll be like can we talk together? about possession again please <laughs> i know yeah yeah it all comes down to xg put it that way as yeah. everything else does no it doesn't okay good so um if i if i try and put it in simple terms so pitch control is essentially i mean the definition that's given is the probability that a player can control the ball assuming it was at this location. So it's looking on a player level, but also a team level to see how much the team can kind of dominate the space on the pitch. So it, it looks to see if, if a ball were in a random location on the pitch, based on where the players are at that moment, who would get to it first? Basically. So we're talking about positioning and shape here at the moment. We're not talking about in possession. We're just saying if the ball is in a certain location, based on the position of the players and the shape adopted at whatever stage of play we're discussing, at that exact moment, how likely is it for a certain player to get to the ball? Yeah, that's basically the the crux of it. And there's multiple things and multiple factors which are considered to sort of answer that question, which we'll come on to. Of you know, Simple things like the direction that the player is going towards, the, the speed that they are traveling in, um, to essentially answer, yeah, who which individual player is most likely to get to the ball and which teams cover more of the pitch such that the their players are able to reach the ball quicker than the opposition so it's a it's a way of sort of yeah quantifying space and i guess if you think about it in, which is really well covered in um we'll come on to exactly who's sort of introduced it but a, a nice way that i think about it is kind of just painting the pitch so if you almost at the start of the game you've got you know the home team on the left away team on the right let's say the home team are in red the away team are in blue the home team's covered in red for the first half of the pitch 
away team mm-hmm. covered in blue for their half of the pitch. Now, obviously, when the game starts, everything mixes together because everyone comes into close contact with each other and the ball's obviously flying around. It's a very dynamic movement throughout the game. But the idea for the for each individual team is to to dominate the game, ideally. You know, obviously, we'll come into the tactical side of that, but to dominate the game or to at least be expansive so that they can have increase their likelihood of obviously winning the game. So the more of the pitch that you quote unquote paint the more dominant you're likely to be in possession or the more likely you are to you know reach the ball does that kind of give a little bit of a flavor kind of visually because i guess the thing to say about this whole thing is that it's quite inherently visual as a as a topic and as i say we'll link some some really useful resources in the bio but it's it's a bit tricky to kind of explain in a in a podcast well, to be honest, I think that's one of your one of your better analogies. That one, mate. I, I enjoyed that the painting one. I think that that definitely works. I, I can totally visualise that, and the and the thought that once it starts, they start mixing it together. That's very helpful. So, is this calculated <laughs> like every minute? Does the picture change every minute, or does it matter who has the ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit more on how it works, I guess, is what I'm asking. Like, how how is it constantly updated, and then how does it get to be the final picture? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no almost like no such thing as kind of the final picture because it's happening in real time um, and it uses uh, tracking data, which I think we've spoken about before in terms of tracking data. Um, and what essentially tracking data does is use a set of cameras. There's, there's cameras all around the stadium, which looks at the position of every player on the pitch, the location of every player on the pitch and the ball as well. And what okay. it does is take snapshots of the the picture 25 times per second for the full 90 minutes 25 frames per second 25 frames per second exactly so you end up with millions and millions of data points but it's it shows that it's these as you would imagine during football everything's just changing and happening in real time but what tracking data does is provide a kind of a a bird's eye view of every player on the pitch at any one time which kind of goes that's cool. beyond what maybe even the tv cameras can do because that obviously focuses more so on where the actual ball is but it's just looking from a bird's eye perspective of where everyone is and you can clearly see the you know the shape of each uh, team and where every player is on the on the pitch so it's really useful in that regard um and yeah it's it's using tracking data one thing i didn't mention at the at the start was exactly who kind of pioneered this work and just as a quick and aside um it was sort of created by uh, william spearman who is the lead data scientist at liverpool football club and we're not talking about this topic because it's to do with liverpool football club and they are <laughs> my team i can assure you of that um but yeah it was it's a sort of as i say an advanced data analytics term uh, and he came up with this in uh, in a previous role of his before he started at Liverpool but he does a really good tutorial um, through the Friends of Tracking which is a very useful resource which I'm sure many people know about um, and he gives a really good tutorial on that so I think if we link that in the bio as well for those who haven't already seen it um, then <laughs> I'm sure he can explain it I know that he can explain it far far better than I can but um, it's just sort of saying that that was that was where it originated from. Okay cool so that's where it originates from and then I understand the tracking data. That's cool. So let me just, let's just make it clear. You've mentioned a couple of ways that it's sort of worked out. It's about the speed that player is that players are moving. 
am I right in thinking? Not just not just the distance yeah. they are from wherever the ball is dropped on the pitch. It's about the pace that they're moving at and what direction. And then the image that we're seeing is a changing thing by where the ball is on the pitch and how quickly, say you were looking at how quickly can the left back get to it if it's in the right midfielder's position, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And this is why tracking data is such a you know dynamic source of information because, I mean, let's say that you and I are both stood next to each other on the halfway line yeah. and the ball is 10 metres in front of us. Now, we, as both stood next to each other, have an equal chance of reaching that ball because we yep. stood still, the ball is stood still. Obviously, during football, <laughs> a football game, everything is moving all the time. So you have so many different factors that you're taking into account. So mm-hmm. I might be running in one direction, you might, might be running in another one. You might be further away from the ball at that time, but you're running at a faster speed and you're running towards it. And I'm potentially jogging. I wouldn't be maybe jogging away from it because I'd know where the ball is, but I'm jogging and I'm not able to turn as quickly. So you might be further away from the ball, but reach it quicker. In which yeah. case, that space on the pitch, let's say it's, it is in the, you know, the right back position or behind the right back position and you're the left winger Mm. you're more likely to reach the ball there so you have more control over that area of the pitch so this is where you know at the team level you're able to tactically dictate how much of the pitch you can control and how much space you can create in order to get into dangerous areas to by the by the positions and the movements of the players by this constant moving image that um is happening because of the players movements it allows us to see how well you're sort of using the space and dominating the space. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and exactly that. Yeah, and I mean the, the masters of it. And we spoke about it uh, last week in terms of possession. Is you know the likes of Barcelona, especially obviously from you know the Pep Guardiola era. Man City obviously now are very good at it, where they're they're constantly moving at such speed and moving the ball and making sure that they're creating space really well. Almost like the the Dutch way of thinking as well. Total football is that they are maximizing the space really neatly and really well. So it, it's just a way, essentially, of, of quantifying that. Uh, and it, visu- it shows it very visually, which is very hard to speak about mm. on a podcast, which is why we'll link people to it. But you can almost see, based on the colour of where the area on the pitch, whether it's coloured, let's say, red or blue, then you can see who, which team is more likely to you know, reach certain areas of the pitch. And, and if, they, if the ball were to land there, they would get to it first. And obviously, you can dictate what that space will be as the the play, the team on the ball in order to maybe suck the opposition in to then you know ultimately create a chance and try and score a goal i was going to say because this is obviously something that isn't just about event data but it, it is hugely sort of influenced by what the team do with the ball isn't it as to where it sort of lands does that make sense yeah and this is the thing where you can you spoke about it painting it red and blue you can have a whole the whole of the area around the goalkeeper is more likely than not for the blue team, let's say, going to be painted blue because yeah. he's got a lot, he's more likely to get to it than anyone else. But that's not a very lucrative area if you're the team who's trying to score to pass it mm. back to your own goalkeeper. So there's obviously certain areas of the pitch, like we said with possession, that you could just pass it between two defenders all day. Yeah, yeah. That it's the context again, adding it layer by layer. And there's many things which, um, which is mentioned in William Spearman's sort of tutorial that there's there's far more context and different models and advanced methods to add to it. That the the context of where that location of the ball is um, is absolutely key. So there's obviously it's more lucrative towards you know the attacking box than your own defensive box. So just because you 
quote unquote paint more of the pitch or have yeah. more control over the pitch a lot like having more possession doesn't mean that you're actually more dominant in terms of winning the game it just gives a an idea of you know what the situation is as it's yeah, yeah. in real time um and then you add on more and more context to to then understand then how you can maximize that space to to obviously try and score a goal yeah yeah i'm glad i clarified the um who has possession and what they do with it point because i had in my head an image of like a a huge table football a human hmm. size a foosball where the ball just got dropped in from above and then people <laughs> had to run towards it and see who got there first so i'm glad that um I'm, see what kind of wavelength i'm on here mark yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what um, i mean yeah. do you remember like if you play you play foosball and then you cheat a little bit and you drop it towards your own players yeah you just got one big giant who just drops exactly. it into the stadium yeah. from afar yeah that's not, not quite what this that is. Not quite that, but yeah, I mean that's that's another thing as well. Obviously, the the team who has possession of the ball is more able to obviously dictate the subsequent location of the ball because they have it. But then, so that's one thing. But then, obviously, the defending team is able to again use space and make the try and condense the pitch to make the pitch as small as possible mm. to gather around the opposition and obviously try and win it back as well. So it's just as useful for on the ball kind of possession and off the ball movement within the the team with possession but also useful in off the ball movement of you know setting pressing triggers that we spoke yeah. about before and and having a, the sort of a defensive tactic so it's just so useful. tracking days is just so so useful it's a real gold mine but it's just it's quite uh, difficult to kind of get your hands on publicly and it's very very complex and there's just so many data points that it's uh, like football analytics in general it's it's very much in its infancy, uh, mm. you know, in the grand scheme of things of how much um, information can be obviously extracted from it. The likes of Liverpool um, and the, the research team at Liverpool Football Club um, are very, very good at being able to extract that key information there. And many other clubs use it to an advanced level, but to mere mortals like you and I, it's, uh, it's tricky. But I'm not even going to begin to ask you how uh, how they work it out like the technicalities of it I can only dream but yeah it's very interesting stuff very interesting okay Ryan I have got a quote which I actually sourced for this episode which I thought was quite relevant uh, to what we're talking about today and it comes from Johan Cruyff oh well I'll who, definitely enjoy it then exactly yeah who I know we've spoken about many times for the sort of tactical element and it's a well-known uh, phrase of his but he said, if you have the ball, you must make the field as big as possible. And if you don't have the ball, you must make it as small as possible. And I think we sort of kind of alluded to that in terms of that. It ultimately comes down to, to pitch control in that if you do have possession of the ball, you want to maximize how much you can control. Spread so you need, out. To, you need to spread out and make sure that you can get to sort of any area on the pitch and, and dictate the play. And obviously then if you, almost like an army in formation, mm. when you're, you haven't got the ball, you need to make sure that you're very regimented and the ball doesn't get, you know, get through you. And very compact, exactly. So um, I guess that's that's the crux of, of pitch control. Cruyff was very ahead of his time. <laughs> it, well, he was, wasn't he? He absolutely um, was, yeah. That's a really interesting point then. So I guess that leads me on to something I was wondering as well. Is this something that coaches and managers and technical staff even on the sidelines when a game is going on is this a kind of model that they'll have their eye on and almost be, be saying well look at that part of the pitch we need to tell so and so to to get in that area because there's a gaping hole there or 
you know, to look at the team's shape as a whole and to see where there are gaps or where there are missed opportunities. Do you know what I mean? Is it the kind of thing that gives them an overview to be able to tactically analyse that their own shape at that time? I guess it's that bird's eye view thing, isn't it, that from the dugout they don't necessarily have. Yeah, it's very true. And you sometimes get coaches who like to, to go into the stands and see things from you know further up so they can get mm. a really clear view of the, you know, the whole pitch. But yeah, with access to data and technology, they're able to do that. Um, yeah, in real time. And yes, they do use it in game and within the matches, but there's a, an element of there's a bit of a lag as to how much and how quickly the information is fed yeah, from yeah. actually what's happening to obviously their their computer. So there's that element to it, which is just obviously a logistical one. But yeah, in, in principle, that absolutely is used from a tactical perspective. And it kind of comes back to the thing that we always say in the episodes of that so what element, right? Like yeah. I've spoken about, okay, if if the ball were to be in any location, the pitch, who's more likely to get it? Very, you know, very general, but what's the point? And this is where it kind of comes into that from a, from a training perspective and from a tactical perspective. And yeah, making sure that you maximize that space and you're more likely to obviously use that that pitch control to to maximize your your chance of scoring. So, yes, it it is used in decision making, and there's a there's a few ways that we can we can talk about it. I guess there's a couple of examples. Well, decision making, from my mediocre analytical knowledge, is surely something that's quite hard to put your finger on because in that moment to be able to know what a player should do within split seconds of things happening around them is quite a hard thing to analytically look at I would imagine but but this out of many of the things that we've spoken about seems to be something that indicates a, a way of almost an overview to say well actually at this there's a space over there that would be a better option than the space over here I'm moving my hands which listeners can't <laughs> see <laughs> here and there is fine. here and there here and there they're very two different places um, but do you know <laughs> what I mean yeah absolutely and again it just adds that other layer of context because again with event data you can say that a player made I don't know x number of passes or back passes and you're like okay well they're they're a safe player but you don't know that they're being closed down and the pitch is being condensed a lot and their their best option is to to keep possession is to pass it to another area that's maybe behind them but in order to eventually you know advance the play so it it gives that reason as to why certain players are making those decisions rather than the event data just saying this is what has already happened mm. and it focuses the event data obviously focuses on for the most part at least you know individual um actions whereas the tracking data obviously again it says why those actions were actually made um and where as you say exactly that why there could have been a better option or why that was the best option so um yeah and it's something where you can obviously appraise that after the game um at the at the player level where let's say that there's someone in the left back position let's say Zinchenko for uh, for Manchester City and he maybe had a, a lucrative ball that he could have played through the lines because let's say Gabriel Jesus was making a really good run that was really yeah. maximising that space in behind. And Zinchenko chose to to play a pass back to Edison, the goalkeeper. Now, that could be maybe used to appraise Zinchenko's decision-making, so at an individual level, but it also could be that at a team level, Manchester City weren't giving Zinchenko enough options and weren't maximising the space more generally in order to maybe get out of a difficult situation. So their team shape wasn't actually very conducive to allowing him to, yeah. to make a better pass and to eventually work work the chance, um, you know, up the pitch. So 
is, is really useful for decision making at an individual level and also at a team level. Basically, no longer a coach just shouting, "He's got no options, lads." They've got, uh, <laughs> they've got, they've got actual ways to be able to show it and what the options were. It all comes back to this thing we've mentioned a few times. There's nowhere to hide as a player, is there anymore? Even <laughs> your decision making is questioned constantly. Twenty five frames per second worth of your decisions are just <laughs> just constantly under review. Yeah, <laughs> you can just you can just imagine at the Sunday league level, just someone be like, "Get that pitch control! Get that pitch control!" <laughs> On that tablet now. Get the thigh pad. Get the, yeah. get, get the pitch control. <laughs> you said you had no options on. Let me get that pitch control. Let me get that screenshot of that exact moment. Yeah, I guess my final question on it, because this has been absolutely fascinating, and I think that, um, you know, of the many concepts and stuff we've discussed, this is one of the more advanced ones in my mind. Um, certainly, this has been quite a good one to get my head round. So is there like a final overview at the end of the game, for instance, almost like an average a heat map, maybe, or something? Is there a kind of a final pitch control image painting your Picasso <laughs> image that we've mentioned about? Is there a final one that takes all the average data or something along those lines? I, I understand what you're saying um, in terms of would there be something like a summary stat? Mm. Um, but no, I think because obviously it's such a, the, the definition of tracking data is that it's just so dynamic yeah. that it, it really depends on the situation in that split second almost, that it is just so dynamic all the time. And and even a bit like we said about possession before, even if it does say that throughout the game, this team actually had more pitch control than the other team, it, it really tells very little about us to which team actually had a higher likelihood of, of winning the game because it may be that you know the the team was happy to to let the other team have a lot of the pitch control in order to stay yeah. really compact and then obviously just suddenly shoot to to score the goal um on the break and we've spoken about that before and it it does come back to expected goals of course of just having higher chances rather than maybe dominating the the pitch but one thing I want to say before before we go is sort of mentioned about the layers of context that you can sort of add to it. And I think the key one, which we kind of touched upon with that Zinchenko example, is obviously the context of having the ball and putting the ball into higher quality areas and in looking at the, yeah, the opportunity to score. Um, and that was exactly what William Spearman added this, this extra model to of it was called a scoring opportunity model. So uses the the distance to goal as a key factor of actually measuring this scoring opportunity. So I guess it, it's much like we've we've spoken about in previous episodes actually with uh, possession value uh, in a previous episode and expected threat. Which if people haven't heard of it, then we'd encourage them to listen to our other episodes on good that. Good plug. Good plug. Good plug. Yeah, managed to get one in there. But uh, it's kind of the same thing where obviously speaking about pitch control and you know who's more likely to to get to the ball in certain areas you can almost then add a value to wherever the ball is on the pitch and wherever all the players are on the pitch what areas are going to be higher percentage chances to scoring a goal if the ball were to then go in there so this is why it's really useful to to think about this as of off the ball movement it doesn't have the player doesn't have to be in possession of the ball for this to be really useful mm-hmm. in that you could maybe just at a moment in time obviously it changes to see where on the pitch there could be a really kind of dense area on the pitch that if the ball were to be played in there very, very quickly, you suddenly increase your chances of scoring really highly. So this again sort of shows how 
you can pull teams from from left to right in order to make this certain space yeah. and have it as almost a tactical thing that you train where we you know that's how it can be applied on the training ground to open up a really lucrative area pull let's say pull the center back to one side um, across the pitch and open up a really clear area which is quantified using this space to say that okay currently as we've spoken about with possession value in the past currently the ball is in a, a location where the chances of scoring is one percent now if you were to put the ball in this area on the pitch which is lighting up on the pitch control pinging model, off it's pinging off on the the yeah the color of it if you play that ball into this area which we know our team will be able to get to first because the pitch control says that the whole point of it is that yeah the ball if the ball lands here we will get to it first if you put the ball in this area then it really shoots up our chances of you know creating a, a chance or scoring a goal so mm -hmm. it goes from one percent to let's say seven percent which is a really massive increase so knowing that and using this information we can then start to to use it as part of our you know tactical setup so again the applications the so what element the context is there's there's absolutely loads of them using this yeah. uh, using this model so um fascinating as i say hopefully just a bit of a flavor from us just to at least begin to explain it um but i'll definitely include some links in the bio if for, for those who are interested in it and just want to know more because there's there's far better resources um than my explanation to to be able to to get more information well i thought you did a cracking job mate and i thought that was very interesting top work Okay, Mark, top stuff as always. Something that's just occurred to me is that um, look at me talking about pitch control, advanced analytics, when I don't know if listeners would have seen this on our Twitter earlier this week. I posted a picture of the original message that I sent to you, Mark, uh, on the 19th of April, 2020, pitching the idea. Why don't we just collaborate and do something? I want to hop on this clever football bandwagon you've got going on. And check us out a year later. We're recording an episode talking about pitch control so that's fun isn't it yeah i mean that was your pitch a year ago <laughs> that was your pitch to me to say so that was your pitch control of some sorts i guess we could sort of segue there was in no control bit. in the pitch it was an was, absolute yeah. stab in the dark i want to hop on this clever football thing i always ask you questions about but um <laughs> Do you but, know yeah. what though i i didn't realize that it was april as in it was it felt like it was far later in the year obviously i think by the time we'd actually recorded and got things all set mm. up um, but it's cra it's crazy to think that it was it was a year ago. Um, how how things have changed in that time. Well, it probably took us about four weeks to record the first episode with uh, mm -hmm. just thinking, well, we don't actually know what we're doing. Whereas now we just talk and it seems to come out and people seem to like it. So anyway, hopefully much more, many more years and many more pitch anniversaries to come. <laughs> hopefully so. Yeah, we're episode thirty-two now, and it was just crazy to even get one in the can. So. Uh, yeah, thanks again to all the listeners for sticking with us this long. For sticking with us. And also another thank you for the questions, feedback and messages that we received recently. We, uh, we've had some lovely comments from people on Twitter and Instagram. We've also had lots of lovely emails. So as we do every week, Mark, we're going to remind people where they can do those things. <laughs> where so, can they find us? Where can you find us? So you can email us at... Oh my God, I've done the wrong one. <laughs> This won't make the cut. You can email us at fanalytics.pod at gmail.com or you can find us on social media. We are at fanalyticspod. 
we are hoping to get through more of the messages and questions that people have sent us in so thank you so much for doing that um in the meantime we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and we will see you next time sports social podcast network